Today is the third Sunday of Ordinary Time. In September of 2019, Pope Francis announced that this third Sunday of Ordinary Time every year should be celebrated around the world as the Sunday of the Word of God. Every Sunday we come and we hear the Word of God. The idea of this Sunday is to focus, beginning today and for the week ahead, on the unique blessing that God's revealed Word, the Scripture, the Bible, is for God's growing in us, our growing in God's love, and what a unique gift the scripture is for sending us out into this world to live as God's agents. So I invite you to do that beginning today. I'd invite you to particularly focus on, based on these readings, the experience of the word of God that we have Sunday by Sunday as an assembly when we come to celebrate the Eucharist. First reading is from the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. It's set in the sixth or beginning in the sixth century before Christ. Our Jewish ancestors have experienced for decades in this point in their history, exile in Babylonia. They have lost their country. Their temple has been destroyed in Jerusalem. Many of them have been sent into a prolonged exile. It's a really horrible experience, arguably the worst experience of the history of the chosen people. There's a priest named Ezra, a Jewish priest, who ultimately leads the people back when they're freed from exile in Babylonia. And there's a governor named Nehemiah. Ezra presides over the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Nehemiah presides over the restructuring of the walls, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. So in the passage we just have heard, the people are led by Ezra and Nehemiah to the temple area, the newly restored temple area. And Ezra brings to them the word of God, the law of God. So that would be the Torah for us as Christians, the first five books of our Old Testament in which much of God's law, early law, is laid out to God's people. The scripture says that in this assembly, in the congregation, are men, women, and children old enough to understand. This is just interesting to me personally. I don't think it's any big scripture thing. I presume that there are lots of children in that assembly, including children who are old enough to understand, like many children who are sitting here. The men, the women, and the children with whom the word of God connects are really able to understand God's word. Ezra beginning at daybreak, which is early in the morning, until midday, takes the law of God and he reads it plainly. So the word of God is read plainly to the assembly. Ezra explains it in ways that people are unable to understand. And it becomes clear that this isn't just reading any other word or explaining any other text. It's clear this is the word of God alive and that God's spirit is present because the people are changed in this experience. The people begin to weep. Why do they weep? I invite you to consider that as you reflect on that passage this week at home. Maybe they're weeping because when they hear God's law, how you should live, how you shouldn't live, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, maybe they're conscious of their own sinfulness and they're weeping. It could be that I'm sure there are lots of different reasons why they're weeping. Perhaps for some of them, when they hear God's law, they remember that fundamentally the reason we ended up in exile was because we turned away from God's law. We became immoral people and our unity fell apart. Perhaps some of them hear God's word anew, and the scripture points out they really listen attentively. 
They put themselves humbly before God. They're really letting in God's word. Perhaps some of them realized when we were in exile, we still identified as God's people, but we became pretty caught up in the paganism of the land in which we were in exile. Maybe some of them hear God's law. It's a lot of law in those first five books, and maybe they think it's so overwhelming. I don't think I can ever live all of this. Maybe they hear it. This is really God's truth, and you can grasp a lot of his word, and they look at the world around them, which is so sinful and so fallen. Maybe they weep because they realize, man, the whole world could actually live in God if we chose to do it. Whatever the cause of it is, the word of God is present, the spirit of God is present, and people are changed as a result. Very beautiful to me in this passage is that the leaders, Ezra, Nehemiah, the other leaders, are totally engaged with the whole assembly and they add to the experience. They don't say you people are stupid for weeping. They don't say you guys are overly emotional. What they do is they tell people there's more going on here. They say, don't be sad and don't weep, not as in shut up. I think it's don't just stop there because today is holy to the Lord. Holy means of God. What's going on here, including the weeping, is of God to God. What's going on here, even if it's difficult, is people growing in God. And so they say rejoice in this because we're growing in God. Drink sweet wine, eat rich foods, and share that, the rich food and the sweet wines, with people don't, who don't have any. Rejoice because today is holy to the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. That's really powerful to me. They, as leaders, are totally united with everybody. They're helping everybody by adding God's perspective, the bigger perspective of what's going on here, the bigger perspective of life, the perspective of rejoice because we're growing in God. The only question is, how will each person there, who is an individual, respond to all of this? How will each person choose to live with this word of God? That's the variable. The word is present, God's spirit is present, the instruction is present, the support is present. What will people now choose to do? So second example of this word of God in the assembly is from today's gospel reading. So the gospel in which we'll primarily focus this liturgical year is the Gospel of Luke. Please reread this when you go home. Click on our social media, you can just open it right up. The, we heard at the beginning of the reading today the prologue, the very first verses of the Gospel of Luke, first chapter, in which the gospel writer says what he's planning to do. Then in the first chapters of Luke, we hear about the birth of Jesus, the story we heard a few weeks ago about the boy Jesus in the temple, then the adult John the Baptist preaching and baptizing people, the adult Jesus being baptized, and his beginning his public ministry. At the beginning of the fourth chapter of Luke, it says that Jesus goes to the region of Galilee where he grew up, and he begins preaching in the synagogues, the places where the assembly of Jewish people gather Sabbath by Sabbath to hear God's word and to pray together. Everybody, the scripture writer says, responds positively to Jesus's preaching, and the word about him spreads through the whole region. So this is where we pick up today. Jesus then goes to Nazareth, the town in which he grew up. So he's going to his family, his neighbors, his friends, who presume that they know Jesus, 
and they know his origins, and I think it's safe to guess they've probably heard that he's become a sensation. Jesus goes, scripture writer says, as is his custom. So Jesus worships God on the holy day, the Sabbath day, week after week. He goes to the synagogue. This is probably the place where he has heard God's word week after week and heard instruction about the word and grown in his relationship with God who is his father. He goes to the synagogue and he's handed a scroll. It's a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He opens the scroll and he chooses what he's gonna read. He finds a passage which is the beginning of Isaiah 61 and he reads it to the assembly. This passage is a passage that would be very familiar to most Jewish people at Jesus' time. It should be familiar to you because we hear it particularly during Advent. It's a passage about how much God loves his people, how God has saved his people in the past, including from that exile, and it's an explicitly messianic passage. It's a past Jewish people at this point have been told for hundreds of years through the prophets, God is going to ultimately send a savior to this world. The Messiah is God's anointed one. So he picks up this passage, which again, safe to guess, most people in that synagogue would know this passage and they'd know it's about the Messiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord, a jubilee year. They know this is a messianic passage. He rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, and he sits down, which is the position of the teacher. Scripture writer says that the eyes of everyone are focused intently on Jesus. What is he going to say? He says, it's a bombshell. Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. He's telling them he's the Messiah. He's not forcing it on them. He's laying it out. The word of God has been read. The spirit of God is fully in that synagogue. The son of God is there. He's giving the instruction. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's laying out to them that today, fulfillment begins. Salvation begins in me, Jesus, today. And the result is, the way that people respond is, you're gonna have to come back next week. We'll hear it next week, or you can read it when you get home. I will not tell you. If that were a made up story, the response would be the people receive the word, they're attentive to the word, they're in the presence of God's eternal word, they understand it and they rejoice. If this were about magic, which doesn't exist, as in you do something and there are results just by nature, the word is spoken, the word is present, everybody just automatically responds, people would accept it, understand it, and rejoice. This is real life and it's grace. It is true that the word of God is spoken in that assembly. It is true that it is clearly explained by the Son of God. It is true that the Spirit of God is fully present in that assembly. The only variable is the people. They're totally free to do whatever they want with that word of God, the instruction, everyone being together. They can do whatever they want to do. That's grace. 
That's how the Word of God worked in Nehemiah. That's how the Word of God worked with Jesus Christ in that synagogue. And that's how the Word of God works in this assembly, day after day, and particularly Sunday after Sunday. I feel so blessed to be a member of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. We celebrate this Eucharist seven times on Sunday in three different languages with many different styles. We are of all ages and thank God of such different backgrounds. I can tell you in all of those masses, one of the commonalities is how sincerely present people are, how sincerely open people are, particularly to the fullness of Christ in the Eucharist and to the Word of God. You know, as a priest, I am blessed to be exposed to the Word every day in my ministry. I'm supposed to pray five times a day the liturgy of the church, which always includes the Word of God. I actually get paid to spend time every day, I don't get paid for that, well I do get paid, to <laughs> study the scripture and to reflect on the scripture, particularly if you do shift work. Imagine you're working third shift and your boss comes over and say, says, take the next hour and do some Bible study. That's really great. That's a great part of my life. I can tell you as someone who is extra blessed with the Word of God, that the single most powerful way the Word of God enters me and challenges me and changes me is in this assembly every Sunday. I feel so blessed that so many of you are making the same choice to accept the Word of God, to listen attentively, to let it in, and then to help one another as we get out of here, as we go forth each week, to talk about it, to help one another understand it, to ask questions and to give one another bigger perspective. I just think we are so blessed in this community. There is great reason to rejoice. If you are weeping today for good reason, remember, rejoice. This world is upside down right now. I have no idea where this country is going. I do know that we are in this assembly. We have just experienced the word. You have had the most clear instruction any Catholics have received on the planet this morning. We are now going to help one another with this. Rejoice. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.